Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. My name is Chris. Um, hi. <laughs> I'm, uh, I've, uh, I've been a part of City Point Church in Brisbane for since I was a kid. When I was 14, I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I got water baptised. Uh, I grew up there. I met my wife in youth ministry, um, which is just absolutely good. So that's why you go to church, people. Um, um, but as a good youth leader, um, as a good youth leader, because um, she was a few grades below me, um, I waited till she was 18. And then when she turned 18, it was as if the scales came off my eyes. And suddenly I saw her for the very first time and I was like, damn, who are you? Um, and uh, we, we've been married now for uh, the last four years. And in the last seven weeks, we've just had the birth of our very first little girl over here, Harlow, who is amazing. And uh, Shen was born in Australia, but she does have um, Burmese and Chinese descent in, in her. And who knows that Asian babies are the cutest. Like they have, like, like Harlow was born with the biggest black Asian hair you've ever seen. And I love it. I'm like, I was, I was like, I need an Asian baby because they are so good. Um, and I can't wait for them to grow up. And then I can just claim I'm the adopted one in the family, um, which is going to be really good. But um. But yeah, we've served, in, um, we've served in our youth ministry now for 12 years um, and just in the last 12 months as well, taking on the young adults in our church. And we're just seeing phenomenal things take place uh, in the youth and young adults of Brisbane. And I'm believing after this weekend at Winter Project, we're going to see so much, um, uh, really a movement be launched in our young people, the city of Adelaide. Because um, who knows as a church that it's not so much about filling buildings as it is about winning cities. That it's actually about seeing the city of Adelaide come to know Jesus. The reason we can be confident in that is because God's desire, God's heart is that none would perish. That there wouldn't be one person in your city, in your suburb, in your workplace, in your family that would perish according to God's heart. That He would desire every single person would walk in their freedom, in their hope and in their joy. And when we take that in our hearts and realize that and actually walk in that, it suddenly changes a little bit on how we do our lives. It suddenly changes a little bit about how we approach our workplaces, about how we approach our families. I thought I'd get a bit old school, take it back to the 90s this morning, get a bit Tina Turner. Um, the title of my message is I've Got the Power. Um, someone say I've got the power like Tina Turner. Yeah, oh, nice, Pastor Tony. He just went right up there. I don't know if it was... Often I have blowouts when I'm preaching, but I just claim it's falsetto because I'm just going up. So that's, um, thanks for the three people who got that joke. Appreciate that. But uh, no, we're going um, to be reading from Ephesians this morning. But, uh, but I want to really encourage you this morning that at the, by the end of this service, I want to be able to encourage you. I think um, speaking into, you know, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've celebrated as a church, as, as a Victory family. We've celebrated uh, 25 years of all God's been doing. And it's honestly... It's honestly like, whether you take this for granted or not, I'm not sure, but it's unprecedented. This is rare what you're a part of. This isn't common what you're a part of. This is unreal what God's doing. And it's crazy to think, and I've got this, I have this incredible um, um, awe of your pastors because I, I see them after 25 years and I have conversation with them and I feel like they're just getting warmed up. I feel like they're just getting started. I feel like they're like, yeah, cool. The last 25 years was good, but I feel like God's got so much for us as a church family. And uh 
I kind of speaking into that, I know that in order for us to see what God wants to do here in the city of Adelaide and right around the nation, I know that it's going to take us as a family realizing what's on the inside of us, realizing actually what's on the inside of us, realizing the power that we carry. In Ephesians 1, Paul, um, Paul prays over the, the Ephesians church or the Ephesus church um, for spiritual insight, but he prays for these three things. And the first one he prays for is that that your eyes of your heart would be enlightened to the hope of your calling, that you'd actually be, your eyes would be open to what you're called to do, the hope of your calling. The second thing is that you would understand the weight of the inheritance that you have as sons and daughters, as saints, the weight of your inheritance that's in heaven. And the third thing that he prays for is that you would understand the greatness of the power that is working in and through you according to the Lord Almighty. And I want to touch on that one this morning. Because I think often in our lives when things maybe get a little bit autopilot or they a little, get, a little bit get mundane or they a little bit get going through the motions, we actually forget the bigness of, the, of God who is actually alive on the inside of us. He's not like a genie in a bottle that we have to reach down and try and grab things when we need them, but realize He's with us and in us every single day. And I think this is why Paul's praying this. I think this is why Paul is praying this over this church. And he's praying it over you today. Is that, that he's written here as he's saying, man, as believers, as sons and daughters, that we, could we understand what, what would our Mondays look like? What would our workplaces look like? What would our families look like? What would our high schools look like? What would our universities look like? What would our attitudes look like? What would our mindsets look like? What would our behaviors look like? If we actually understood who was alive on the inside of us. Because you've got to understand that the Spirit is given without measure. The Spirit is given without measure, which means that He's not giving you like, I'm giving you a little bit of the Spirit. He's giving you the fullness of heaven. It's alive on the inside of you, which means you have access to everything in the heavenly realm. You have access to, to be able to, to, be able to live out the call of God in your life. So it says this in Ephesians 1.19. Oh, sorry, we'll read a few verses back. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you know what is the hope of His calling and what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the mighty work of His strength? You know, a few years ago, we, um, we got invited to speak at a youth camp um, in New Zealand. Is there, any, is there any Kiwis here today? Any New Zealanders? I'm half Kiwi. My dad's a New Zealander. Is there any? There are some down the front. Yeah, come on. All right, cool. I just need to, I just need to check that because... Um, this story isn't meant to be offensive. So um, I just need to flag it and then send an email to Pastor Tony after. Like, it's not on me. I'm going back to Brisbane. So, um, but, uh, but uh, I, uh, uh, myself and Shen were invited to speak at a youth camp in New Zealand in the start of 2017. And one thing I learned really quickly about Kiwis is that I didn't understand the power of fireworks. Because you see, in Australia, we have some boundaries. We have some perimeters. We set like... Trained professionals wearing high vis, you go like a hundred meters that way, and we'll stand way over here. And there'll be boundaries and all these set up to protect you from the power of the fireworks. Because if it goes wrong, some people could die. Like some people could get, they could be pretty intense. Like if the, if the fireworks go wrong, so there's a whole bunch of primitives. But in New Zealand, for four days a year across New Year's, anyone can buy a firework, and anyone can shoot a firework wherever you want. So we're here at this youth camp. It's across New Year's. 
and we just had a phenomenal night session, classic youth camp session. God moved powerfully. And uh, there we are, and the kids are celebrating. It's New Year's, everyone's staying up late, it's awesome. And here's this guy named Bruce. Now, Bruce is wearing pluggers, short shorts, a singlet, he's got a big beard, bald. And he's this guy who's just like, he's like the firework guy. He's like the guy at the youth camp who's going to go and shoot the fireworks and all the kids are going to watch. She grabs this bottle. I'm not kidding you, a full box of fireworks. I've never seen that many fireworks in my entire life. And he's picking up this full box, walks like 20 metres that way onto the oval and just starts firing these things off. And there's like maybe like a sack of kids standing I'm just watching, going, oh, this is pretty cool. Like just wasn't fireworks. And the youth pastor is hosting us, turns to me and goes, hey, uh, do you want to shoot a firework? You know, and you think to yourself like, when in life, do you, do you get to shoot a firework? Like, I don't know about you, but I've never shot a firework. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll shoot a firework. So I go out there. Once again, my mindset's still thinking Australian. I'm still thinking there's going to be like a, a, a code. Like we walk here and then we go entering perimeter or something. And then, and then we walk in. But it was just like, we just charged straight in and there's Bruce just firing off. And I'm like hesitant, like they're all going off. Anyway, so he walks up to me and goes, oh, you want to shoot a firework? I'm like, yeah, sweet, let's do it. Anyway, so he just shoves one in my hand, lights it and goes, run over there. And suddenly I'm standing here and he goes, hold it really tight. It's like a shotgun. So I literally go, oh my gosh. And I'm like running in this direction. He told me it was like a shotgun. So I'm gripping this thing with all that I've got, holding it. Like I'm just like, like with all the like three grams of muscle on my arm, like just everything that I have, I'm holding it. I'm not kidding you. This is literally what happened. It was the most anticlimactic thing in my life. This is literally what happened. That was legit it. And it just shot the firework. And I was like, I just shot a firework. How good is that? So I walk off thinking, oh man, I'm just like, like bucket list tick. Like I'm just like the man. Like I'm just like, this is so good. So anyways, we go out. Brucey transitions. He's now gone from the hand ones to the ones you put in the ground and run. So we're now watching. I'm going, oh, these ones look a little more dangerous, but because they're kind of like not in control. He's putting the ground run off. Next thing you know, this firework that he puts in the ground, I literally, he puts it in runs. And I see a guy like this, and just fall over. I'm standing there. It falls over, fires. I'm not kidding you. Shannon's probably like maybe me to the pulpit away. It fires towards Shannon. I'm thinking, is my wife about to die? Like, is everything about to end? I was meant to be coming on this youth camp and I'm going to leave uh, without my wife. Like, she's about to... So she fires it off, right? At this moment, my wife is in danger as the noble, honourable, superman, husband that I am. I did the only thing you really could do in that moment. I filmed it. So I pulled out my phone and I literally start filming going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shen's like, oh my gosh, right. Next thing you know, this firework, some demonic possession came over it. And it started going boom, 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 boom. And next thing you know, I'm filming it. Next thing you know, it's like coming towards me. I'm like, save yourselves. And when it's like running, we like dive behind the hill. We like get up and I jump up and I'm like, Bruce, what the heck was that? And he's like, ha, 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 ha. And it's like, yeah, it's fine. Like one blew up on my hand before. Like I almost lost a finger or whatever. Like it's so fine. Like it's all good. It happens all the time. And I was like walking away going, New Zealanders do not understand the power of fireworks. There is a reason we have perimeters. There is a reason we have high-vis vests. There's a reason why we get trained professionals in here because I almost lost my wife. So that wasn't a story. That was a vent. That's what that was. But uh, I think often in life it's like this, that 
That this is why this is Paul's prayer to us, is because sometimes we don't even realize the power that's in our hand. We don't even realize the power that's living on the inside of us. And we go through life. Life gets the better of us. Circumstances come around our world. Situations come around our world. And we start to submit to our experience and actually lower the Word of God, the power of God to our experience. Instead of grabbing our experience and elevating it to the Word of God, actually elevating it to what His Scriptures say. I wonder tomorrow morning on Monday, what workplaces, what high schools, what families, in a church like this, phenomenal church like this, what all those different industries would look like if a family like this actually went into their Monday realising the power they carry. What could change in our city? What could change in our governments? What could change in our industries? What could change in our workplaces? If we actually understood the power that we carry. You know, it says in, um, in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, uh, the kingdom of God is not in words, but rather in power. And 1 Corinthians 2, he says, I did not come to you with persuasive words of wisdom, but demonstration of the spirit and power. I love this, that, that um, I think often, I, I don't know if it's a Western culture thing, but um, I know in our generation, it, it's almost like we try to argue our way into someone believing in Jesus, like trying to convince them to believe in Jesus, actually trying to convince them to have a relationship with God with the right persuasive words, the right thing to say. Whereas I see here at Paul in Corinthians, he's saying, you know what? I didn't come to you with persuasive words. I didn't come to you with fancy talk. I just came and showed you Jesus. Because I don't want to try and tell you about Jesus. I just want to show you Him. Because I know, man, I can try and convince you to believe, but I'm just going to show you. And then you can't not believe. If I can actually just demonstrate you the Spirit's power, which I know is working in and through my life. You know what's crazy is, you can clap if you want. I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> you know, I, I, over the last couple of years in our, in our youth ministry and our young adults, the, um, what I love about young people, this is what I love about and probably why I'll serve them till I'm 140 um, and have a grey beard in Jesus' name. Um, what I love about them is when they hear the idea that God wants to use them, they're crazy enough to actually believe it. They're crazy enough to actually believe it. They don't have all these like... Um, uh, they haven't lived life to a point where maybe they've let cynicism in or like um, an analytical thinking in or like logic or reason in or things that try and rob from us. But they're actually crazy enough to go, oh wait, so if I put my hand on them and believe, then that means sickness is going to leave their body. Okay, cool. Yeah, I can do that. And then let's go and do it. And what I love about that is that we've seen in high schools and universities all over our city, we just see testimony after testimony of like incurable diseases getting healed. We've seen... Um, Cancer getting healed, irregular heartbeats getting healed. We've seen, uh, we, we started collecting crutches at the youth ministry because people would walk in with them and walk out not needing them anymore. And people were walking out like with no shoe and things like that. And um, so many things taking place because these young people actually believed what the Word said. And I think often in life, this is, this is one of the biggest things, is that often is like the gap between us actually walking this out and living this out is actually... Um, it's actually got less to do with like when we read it. It's not like we don't believe it. But sometimes we're waiting to kind of get our lives sorted before we're actually used by God. We're actually waiting to get everything perfect before we're used by God. But you've got to understand something. 
God isn't looking for perfect vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. He's not looking for people who are like, got all their ducks in a row. He's looking for surrendered hearts. People would say, you know what, God, have my Monday. God, have my Tuesday. God, have my Wednesday. Because I know that you can use me in order to see the world around me impacted for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that. Um, I think... Um, I think often it's, um, it can be this idea that uh, the, the, the man of God or the woman of God on stage with the microphone, they're the one who can see the powerful things or the anointed one, or they're the one who can see the things take place. And then what we do is we let creep into our mindsets this idea, which really is old covenant thinking. It really is as if the cross never happened. We're actually walking around like, oh, that person hears from God and I actually can't, but I'm just going to kind of like have this distant relationship with God. Not realizing that when Jesus came, when Jesus came and He laid down His life and on the cross and His blood was spilt for our salvation, for our healing, for our deliverance. When he, when he came and did that, the veil was torn, which means all of us had full access to the throne room of God, full access to the very heart of God, full access to everything that's in the kingdom. Every single one of us can have it. Every single one of us can have it. It's not limited to those who have the right gift or the person who has the right anointing or anything like that. And I think for too long, we've let shame and condemnation, like, oh, I'm not good enough to be used by God. I need to wait till I'm good enough. We've let those things rob us from what God wanted to do in pursuit of once I'm perfect, then God can use me. God is a professional. He is in the business of using broken people. He's in the business of using imperfect people. I look through all through the Bible, all the people used by God. David himself was known as a man after heart's own, um, God's, a man after God's heart. And this was what he was known for. And it was the same dude who went and, went and had affairs and went and did all these dodgy things and went and killed people. And yet in the same place, he was known after a man after God's own heart. I don't know about you, but that's, that rattles me. That rattles me to think, man, where have I maybe limited God or put him in a box or said, okay, cool, maybe, maybe God, you, you can't move in this situation because maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I'm not married. Maybe I'm living. You know what's crazy? This is, this is wild for me. I don't, I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the only one here this morning. But it's wild for me to think that we could limit God. We could limit the limitless one. That's wild. It says in, it says in the Scriptures that the, the nation of Israel limited God. How wild is this? How did they limit Him? When they didn't remember His power. The same prayer that in Ephesians, Paul prayed over them, that they would understand the greatness of His power. So when we don't remember His power, when we don't meditate on it, when we don't uh, activate it in our lives, we're actually limiting all He wants to do instead of stepping out in faith. I think that is crazy that we could limit the one because there is this idea and it's, it's beautifully theological and totally amazing around the sovereignty of God, that He can come and do whatever He wants. And that is 100% true. But it also takes responsibility out of our hands and it makes us feel like we have no part to play in the picture. Whereas we are now co-laborers with Christ, which means now we're actually working alongside Him. We're seated in heavenly places with Him and out of that place, we're bringing heaven to earth. We're bringing heaven to earth. You know, I think as a, as a church, um, stepping in, celebrating all what God wants to do. And I know that the word over, word over Victory Church is into the new, is into the new. And uh, 
I think that is, I think that is such a timely word. And I know that often when we step into the new, when we want to grab hold of what God has for us, it requires us to let go of the old. It actually requires us to go, these certain things can't come with me into my future. These things actually can't come with me if I'm going to step into the new and grab hold of everything God has for me. So maybe for you right now, maybe for you, what is those things that you've been limiting God? Maybe it's been a mindset. Maybe it's been an attitude. Maybe it's been a heart posture. But how have you been limiting God? Well, maybe He's wanted to move in your life, but you've, maybe it's even been fear or maybe it's been shame. You know, and we touched on this over Winter Project, but often our fear gets the better of us and then we start creating theology around our fear. And we start literally building this entire theology around our fear and we start to act like it's wisdom. Like, oh no, I'm doing that out of wisdom when it's actually just based on fear and we're living totally deceived. And we're claiming it's wisdom, but it's actually just fear. Whereas God is calling us to live not a life of fear, but a life of faith. One that would actually believe Him, actually believe that He wants to use us in the city of Adelaide, in our lives, in our workplaces, in our families, wherever we go. Would you understand the greatness of His power? The greatness of His power. I love that. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. I love this, that here's Paul a man who says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. How confident is it of Paul to essentially say, you can copy me because I'm killing it. Like, like I'm crushing the game. Like if you literally just do what I'm doing, you're going to make it. Like just literally copy me. That is crazy that he would have so much confidence to say, if you look at me, then you're also going to get what Jesus has which means it's possible to actually look like Jesus in your everyday. Because here's what this world needs less of. It needs world, this world needs less people who are throwing up their hand and saying, I profess to be Christian, but they look nothing like the sun. They look nothing like the sun. We have too many people walking around who say, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus, but they look nothing like Him. You know, the number one thing, a study was done in our nation a few years ago. The number one thing that turned people away from God, turned people away from church, it wasn't the fact that the church asked for money. It wasn't the fact of the, the LED screens and the lights and the, the cool jackets or the preachers with sneakers or the, any of the stuff. That, that was not the things that turned, that turned people away from church and away from God. The number one thing, this was a, a secular study done to non-Christians, people who've never been to church, people who don't believe. The number one thing they said that, that why they don't go to church is because of hypocritical Christians. Because people who say they're Christian, but they look nothing like Jesus. And this isn't a works idea. This is a receiving idea. This isn't about striving, but about abiding. Because from the place in John 15, where it says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. And from that place, the fruit will flow. From that place, God will move in our lives. And we can actually look like Jesus everywhere we go. Because often in the Scriptures, we associate with, if we read the Gospel messages, we associate um, with the disciples. So we read the message of Peter. And, you know, I myself have preached on it. It's a phenomenal message, phenomenal Scriptures, so much revelation on it. Around how Peter walks on the water. But then when he falls, Jesus comes and picks him up. And there's beautiful revelation in that, in that when we step out in faith, even if we stumble, Jesus is going to be right there to grab us. There's beautiful revelation in that. 
But Jesus isn't calling us to relate with Peter. He's calling us to relate with Jesus. He's calling us to go, actually, no, Jesus did walk on the water and he didn't sink and he didn't fall, but it's possible to actually live this life of faith in my every single day and actually look like the sun and look like the sun. You know, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I love this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you even to the end of age. I love that. This is the Great Commission. It's um, a famous portion of Scripture in the body of Christ that many of us know. And um, what I love about it is it, it, it encourages us of, of ultimately not a pastor or a leader's job, but rather the call of every believer. The call of everyone who says they love Jesus is to go and make disciples. Because discipleship isn't a good idea, it's a God idea. It's actually something that He's like, man, if you want to win your entire city, here's how we're going to do it. Yes, we're going to have awesome services. Yes, we're going to have awesome events. Yes, we're going to have incredible weekends like Winter Project. But here's actually how we're going to win the city. is when a believer goes and makes disciples. When a believer goes and puts their hand on another person's life and says, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to show generosity towards you. I'm going to, I'm going to raise you up into all you're called to be. What I love about this is there's this beautiful promise, this beautiful promise at the end of this scripture where he says that, don't worry, this sounds really big. Like I want you to go to the entire world and make disciples, but don't worry because I'm going to be with you to the very end of age. I think sometimes for us to understand the power of God, we need to remind ourselves that God's actually with us. How often do we forget that He's actually not, He's right here. He's right here. It's not something we need to invite in or like a genie in a bottle that we rub when we need Him. But rather, He's actually alive on the inside of us and He's with us. Which means when you step into your workplace, Jesus just stepped into your workplace. It means when you step into that family situation, Jesus just stepped into the family situation. And when you walk knowing this and understanding this, it means that you now get to decrease and He gets to increase in your life. And it means you get to see signs, miracles and wonders move all through your life. All through your life. When you understand the greatness of His power. Can I have the keys? That'd be amazing. Just so we can get a little bit more spiritual in here because it helps so much. So good. Understand the greatness of His power. I love that. Um, that for me, I, my, my journey growing up in church and um, had some pretty crazy encounters as a young man coming through church. And ones that I don't know about you if you've had these, but ones that you look back on, you're like, man, that was a defining moment. Like that was like a, I could look back on that and go, that was one of those moments that just triggered something for me that shifted some things. And I had some real key ones as I was growing up, but... I think for whatever reason, I kind of started to play the church game. I started to do the religious thing. This thing became a bit of a religious activity to me. Not necessarily this thing of like, oh my gosh, like um, the presence of God doesn't just dwell inside the four walls of this building, but it actually dwells on the inside of me. And I remember coming to a place in my faith as a young man, where I just realised, man, I don't want to pretend like I know God anymore. I don't want to pretend like I'm following Him anymore. 
Because I was like the perfect church kid. I knew when to come down the front. I knew when to lift my hands. I knew when to pray for people. I knew when to shout down the preacher. I knew when to give money in the time. I knew, I knew how to do everything. I was serving. But in the secret place when no one was looking, I was the furthest thing from it. I was the furthest thing from it. I was just playing the religious game. I was just playing the church game. I was just going through the motions. And then I started to realise that as I engaged with the Scriptures, as I read them and realised, man, these aren't just a historical document, but they're actually like a book that's written for me. They're a love letter written for me. That actually the words on these pages aren't just meant to be words on a page, but they're meant to be alive in my heart. They're meant to actually be breathing and, and in and through my very, very being. When I realised that, I started to actually like engage with it. And I was like, man, there's some pretty wild things in here. Like there's some pretty crazy things in here. But they're not just for like the apostles or just for like the people in the, in the early church or anything like that. But actually, if I read them and I go, hey, this is for me. This is for me. And suddenly I looked at my world and I, I promise you, my whole world drastically and quite quickly started to change. Because suddenly as I went out and did my daily thing, my daily business didn't change. If you looked at my life, it was pretty standard. I all got up, I had breakfast, I went to work, I came home, I went to bed, repeat. It was the same thing. But those same, very normal, mundane or perceivably mundane things that many of us are doing every single day, how I went about them suddenly changed. How I went about them suddenly changed. You know, before I was on staff as a pastor at City Point, I actually worked in Ikea. Um, so who loves the Swedish hot dogs? Yes. The key is smother them as much sauce as possible and then it masks the taste. So you can't actually taste how bad they really are. Um, everyone's like, I'm never eating them again. Um, but uh, actually, um, fun fact, in, in my, in my um, IKEA career, I sold personally over half a million hot dogs. How crazy is that? That's crazy. Yeah, that's just something on my tombstone, you know, when I'm older. You know, regardless of the stuff, stuff all the miracles, I want that on my tombstone, you know what I mean? That's good stuff. But uh, I remember my job didn't change. My family didn't change. My relationships didn't change. My friendship circles didn't change. But how I went about them did the moment I realised this. And I'd walk into my workplace and, you know, I was, I was in management and doing things like that. And um, the teams I was leading, I'd make sure I was the first person there so I could invite the Holy Spirit into our workplace. I could invite the Holy Spirit in. And my manager came to me one day and I would always tell her about Jesus. I'd always be sharing with her and she was a bit funny in, in, in her reactions to it. But I would just keep loving her and blessing her. And she came to me one day and said, hey, Chris, like... um." Um, every time you're on, like whenever you're, whenever you're like here and you're on shift and you're, and you're running the team and things like that, every time you're here, everything's just peaceful. Like everything's just calm. It just seems to be something, like she was trying to use like Christian language without being Christian. She was like, something, you know, like there's some, there's some, I don't know what there's some, like, you know, have you ever heard a non-Christian try and explain what they're feeling, but they just have no idea how to articulate it. It's like, and I was like, I was obviously knew exactly what it was and, I was like, and then because she knew I loved Jesus, she knew I, you knew, she knew I was a Christian. I actually said to her after that conversation, she's like, every time you're here, it's just like, and then when you're not here, when you're on weekends or whatever, when you're away, um, it's just chaos. It just seems to be disordered, like all this kind of stuff. And I don't know what it is. And I was like, you know what it is. And then she was like, shut up. And then walked away. And would always walk up. Because she was a little bit like that. She was a little bit like, you know, she wanted it, but she was a little bit hesitant. But we're believing for it. But, um, but you know what was crazy too is one of the biggest compliments I ever got, I ever got was 
she came to me and said, you know what, Chris? I need to hire more Christians because they are the hardest workers I have. That was one of the biggest compliments I ever got. Because I don't want Christians to have the rep that we're like the lazy workers or the ones who rock up late or the ones who are like uh, are not faithful with the task or not faithful in our workplaces or with our family or diligent with our environments. I want like to be able to show Jesus in the very normal things, like the very normal just going about our business. I want to show Jesus to the point of someone who's so far from God would look at me and say, man, I need to hire more people from the church because you guys are the best workers I got. But it only happens. It only happens when we understand who we're carrying. Because Chris Hodgman can't save anyone. Chris Hodgman can't heal anyone. But the Jesus in me can. He can transform this world. And when I understand the greatness of the power that I'm carrying, I know that the whole world could change. Simply by not me trying to convince people of Jesus. I'm just going to show Him. It's going to show them through the fruits of the Spirit around my life, right? Gentleness, kindness, self-control, joy, peace, all these things that are now alive on the inside. So we don't need to grab at them, but rather we just receive them. We just then walk in them. Walk in them. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 